This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's also really tragic that like, we're excited about setting up places where people can set up tents. That was Jeff Kosicki, one of San Francisco's top officials on homelessness, talking about the city setting up safe sites to sleep in parking areas and vacant lots. He says it's going well, but celebrating that small victory is a sign of just how bad homelessness is. Already bad before the coronavirus pandemic came, it is now, as he says, tragic. I'm Damian Bulwa, Managing Editor of the San Francisco Chronicle, and welcome to a special episode of Fifth and Mission. This week, in the newspaper and on sfchronicle.com, we're presenting the fifth annual SF Homeless Project. It's a week-long examination of a crisis that has only worsened. Thank you to the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative for supporting the project. I'm joined by Kevin Fagan, our resident expert reporter on homelessness for many years. He's making the podcast rounds today. He's also on the Total SF podcast with Peter Hartlob, talking about his career covering the homeless. He also talks about his parallel life as a musician and a songwriter, and he'll actually play a couple of songs. You can get Total SF wherever you get Fifth and Mission. That's a fun episode. On this show, we're going to be a little more serious and talk about homelessness and the Chronicles Homeless Project. Kevin, hello. Hey, glad to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you, Kevin. Uh, as you know, our goal in this project has always been to seek solutions mm -hmm. to homelessness. Um, we're exploring again how the crisis has spread in the pandemic. We're going to look at stories about the crisis in the suburbs, how the unsheltered population has aged, how governments have failed to fully deal with the impact of mental illness and drug addiction. Um, I want to talk to you first today about the pandemic, Kevin. What are you seeing on the streets right now? Well, there are certain areas that have really been uh, hit hard by this. Uh, the emptying of shelters, to a large degree, has put people on the street that would otherwise be inside and less visible during the day. So in places like the Tenderloin, there's been an explosion of tents, an explosion of presence on the street, and that's really made things unhappy for a lot of residents and for the homeless people themselves. They don't like getting jammed next to each other. So uh, it, it looks like there's been a huge uh, wave of people in the streets. I'm not seeing the data or the anecdotal data, at least, uh, which is all we have at the moment, supporting a huge wave of new homeless people in the streets. Some of the nonprofits are saying that they're getting uh, uh, requests for as much as 20% more uh, help. Uh, but a lot of that is because people are, uh, struggling with food. They're struggling with their, um, uh, just day to day expenses. If they're hanging on by their fingernails and SROs, if they're in shelters and, and hoping for a job, but job isn't coming and they need a little support. It's, it's a mess. Uh, and the cities and the counties are trying to, uh, get their hands around it, but it's an emergency situation. It's a, it's a disaster, like a plane crash or an earthquake to a large extent. Yeah, and homeless people have been 
more vulnerable to the pandemic. I mean, that's what we've seen across populations with, you know, frontline workers with racial disparities in the coronavirus, homeless people the same way. The most vulnerable people seem to be getting hit the hardest. Yeah. Yeah. And the the uh, the only uh, silver lining, if you will, in some of that is that a lot of the homeless folks are outside. You're safer when you're outside. Uh, uh, but it people I was just uh, I've spent a lot of time in, in camps over the last few weeks, well, last few months. And people aren't wearing masks. They're not distancing. They're sh- they're putting their tents right next to each other. Uh, and it's a uh, it's it, I'm amazed and home and homeless uh, aid workers are amazed. There has not been uh, a huge wave of covid cases amongst homeless people it's kind yeah, of yeah no amazing. i know that was your concern I, I know that was your concern going in you wrote about it let's talk though about the response of cities like san francisco i know they've been under uh, a lot of scrutiny about how to handle the homeless population during the pandemic yeah there's been a big uh, uh, struggle amongst homeless advocates and the the city officials about what to do, how to make people homeless people safer. Uh, shelters were not a good choice because they're congregate settings, and the closer you are to other people inside, the more dangerous the situation is. So uh, they've st- st- stood up a lot of uh, safe sleeping areas, they call them, where you can pitch your tent outside and have bathrooms and hand-washing stations and, and support staff around. Uh, and then hotels, which are enormously expensive, uh, but the federal government is reimbursing 75% of the cost of hotels. So the city of San Francisco has, you know, more than 2,500 hotels uh, secured and nearly 2,000 people in them. Uh, but the trouble is you have 8,000 homeless people and uh, only a fraction of them are in the, the regular shelters these days because they've been thinned out to make them safer. So you, you still have a lot of people out on the street and advocates say we should house Everyone in the emergency shells, hotels, if you can, uh, that, and the city officials say we can't afford that. So it's a continuous struggle. There's been a lawsuit, at least two lawsuits actually in the tenderloin, which is ground zero for all this stuff. And, um, they, uh, uh, this, the, the city has done a lot of clearance efforts, um, uh, and managed to get down the number of tents in the street and then house hundreds of people in hotels, but they're not getting to the bottom of the barrel and they probably won't. Now you did write about, you, you talked about affordability. Um, you know, on one hand we have the pandemic and on the other hand we have the economic crash and a loss of a lot of revenue. How is that going to affect this crisis that has already gotten worse in recent years? It's, it's bad. <laughs> the, the the city of San Francisco alone is facing a nearly $2 billion deficit. Uh, they're thrashing around trying to find ways to backfill. Uh, there are efforts to put bond measures on uh, the November ballot to uh, get get more money. That They're hoping that the feds will, will pony up again, um, uh, hoping to borrow cash to, to buy distressed buildings and motels to turn into housing. Uh, again, the feds are reimbursing for hotel rooms but it's kind of a you know week by week slog as to what you're going to be able to do and what you're not able to do it's 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 an economic disaster but you wrote that there might be a silver lining in this right and you kind of look back at 
at history at a couple of the recent recessions. Yeah. Uh, actually, w- what was really interesting to me uh, when I talked to you know homeless officials from the ground level here in the Bay Area to Washington, D.C., is that in the last recession, the Great Recession, we called it, which has now been overshadowed, of course, by this one, homelessness actually went down in the uh, in the years following it, the immediate years following the, the recession, because real estate got cheaper. Governments were able to buy up uh, distressed properties and turn them into housing. Rents got cheaper. And the federal government ponied up billions of dollars in aid. Uh, if you go all the way back to 1989, which I uh, 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 covered uh, uh, as a reporter at the Oakland Tribune, um, the Loma Prieta earthquake shattered a lot of housing threw thousands of people into homelessness. It was a disaster uh, that the Bay Area really hadn't seen before. And the federal government came in with relief money, Red Cross, FEMA, Small Business Administration, and millions of dollars poured in, and it actually resulted in uh, more housing for homeless people and uh, uh, more solutions for bringing people off the street that could happen this time if we're lucky, if we get some more federal uh, federal aid, which the governor and all the mayors and the county governments are asking for. And uh, we're all hoping it happens. That's the hopeful take. There's a little bit of a less optimistic view out there. We spoke to James Jefferson. It's a little hard to hear because of the street noise, but he said that from his point of view as a homeless person, it doesn't feel like the city is doing enough. If this is gonna be around in the winter, if this is going to get worse, it would make sense to try to get your, your your most vulnerable people off the street, especially with like the weather. I feel as though we're, we're totally, uh, you know, expendable. Let's talk about housing. If it's more affordable, I think we know intuitively that more people might be able to get off the street. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's the one of the refrains you hear from housing advocates or homeless advocates through the years is uh, the the best solution for homelessness is housing. Housing, housing, housing is the 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 triple phrase that gets used. And you know it's true. There are a lot of problems amongst uh, chronic homeless people uh, with mental illness and substance abuse. Sure. Uh, but the the core of helping them is getting a roof over their heads. Gotcha. Now, Kevin, before we go any further, I just want to quickly ask you, for I think as long as I've known you, which is a very long time, you've been writing about homelessness in the Bay Area. Um, you've been anchoring this project for five years. I mean, why do you keep hitting on this issue? Why is it important to keep going? This this is the issue that doesn't go away. I, I became a reporter when homelessness started. I've watched it mushroom into this horrible long-standing problem for you know for everyone uh, housed people don't like seeing the tragedy homeless people don't like being in the tragedy and it's it's i think uh the the, the root of it is a is a poverty problem that just doesn't get addressed fully uh and until we have uh, an economic system and a societal system that that enables people to work with dignity at low-end jobs and make enough money to live. We're going to continue to see homelessness. And as a reporter, as journalists uh, uh, in in TV, newspapers, all the various formats, we have an obligation to keep reporting on this. 
and keep showing what is wrong and keep showing what works. Last year, you led this idea of doing 24 hours of homelessness in San Francisco itself, which I thought was fascinating because I've, I've done homeless reporting all over the country and San Francisco is the most visible emblem of homelessness. And I thought we did a nice, well-rounded ball of of looking at what what works and what doesn't. And the, the thing that struck me was that the answers and the uh, problems haven't really changed that much in, in, in the last couple of decades. We know what to do. Uh, uh, and if we keep spotlighting what works, and maybe things will continue to move forward quicker. All right. With that, let's take a quick break. I'm Damian Bulwa. This is Fifth and Mission, and I'm here with reporter Kevin Fagan. We'll be right back with more. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bulwa. I'm here with Kevin Fagan, reporter who covers homelessness for the Chronicle, as once again anchoring the SF Homeless Project, sfchronicle.com, through the week, week-long series of stories. Kevin, thanks again for coming in. Um, I just want to kind of ask you about your recent experiences. You've spent a lot of time, you know, people have been sheltering in place, but I know you've been out there talking to people, talking to aid workers, homeless people. What have they been telling you about um, being homeless this year? Well, the the COVID crisis is, has everyone afraid. Uh, I did a story back in early March uh, before people were wearing masks, before there was a whole lot of uh, awareness of how to handle this. And the people I talked to in camps were were freaked out. They thought, you know, that at the time we thought, geez, there's this plague coming to to get us all. And they were uh, unprotected, unsheltered, didn't know what kind of, uh, 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 you know, remedies would be available for them. Well, as the months have gone by, there have been steps. The The shelters have been thinned out. Hotel rooms have been stood up. Safe sleeping sites have been established in parking lots and, and you know, vacant land spots. Uh, so th- there has been a big effort to help, but there are thousands upon, there's 35,000 homeless people in the Bay Area. You're not housing them all. You're not putting them all in safe sleeping sites. Uh, so uh, when I've been walking around talking to people in tents and talking to the aid workers, the aid workers, you know, Jeff Kasitsky on down to the, the, the guys swinging a broom for public works, uh, they would love to get everyone inside. Uh, it's it's better for them. Uh, you're not doing that kind of homeless aid work unless you care. Uh, and it makes less misery on the streets, makes less work for them, the fewer people you have outside. And if you talk to the homeless people themselves, they, they feel like they won the lottery when they get a hotel room. I talked to a guy just recently who was in this giant tent filled with stuff, and he had scored a hotel room because he was vulnerable and he was uh, uh, of an older age, over 60, and uh, was in the Tenderloin, and he'd been there for months, and he said, I am ecstatic at getting inside. And I said, what are you going to do with all your stuff? I don't care. 
I'm taking in a suitcase. Uh, give me my hotel room. Maybe I can get clean. Think, you know, think more clearly because I'm not out here dealing with all the turmoil of the street. I can try to plan for how to move ahead. And most of the homeless folks know that if you're going to a new hotel, you're probably there till the end of the year or so, which gives you time to plan, to, to strategize what you want to do with yourself. Maybe get clean. It's a, the hotel rooms are a great thing, but it's like winning the lottery. Uh, it would be wonderful if there was a hotel room for everyone. And, and I can't find anyone who disagrees with that, but it's expensive. You were talking about winning the lottery. That sounds like a common refrain. I want to play a clip from someone else who used the exact same words. This is Larry Greer talking about how he won the lotto by getting a Section 8 housing voucher. And I just hit the lotto, number 108. The Section 8 lottery. The pandemic is homeless. That's the pandemic. Yeah, I think a, a lot of people wonder, Kevin, and we'll get back to the stories, but, but what is it like to have spent this much time you know, talking to people that are on the jagged edge and um just for you personally um what is it like to get involved in these people's lives it it wears on you uh it gives you i i take great hope and joy in the people who get off the street uh when some of the one of the folks that i talk about some of the folks i talk about actually improve their lives and i can talk to them later and they look back and say oh my god i'm so glad i'm not out there anymore uh and it breaks my heart to pieces when people die. And I've had, I've written so many obits, I can't count them. Uh, and then people who I don't write obits about who die horribly. Uh, you know, one guy died in his broken colostomy bag in the heat on the street. Another guy died with a needle hanging out of his arm. Uh, another one got beaten to death. I mean, the, the ways you die out in the street are horrible. And most people don't know that and and I don't blame them for not knowing that. It's a it's a harsh harsh way to 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 exist and a harsh harsh way to die. And the ultimate aim of us as a society uh pulling people inside off the streets is so people don't die and don't suffer in the streets. Um and you know it's yeah. It, yeah, it, I've heard you. I've heard you keeping in touch with people. Um and in some cases that's the families of people, right? Yeah, yeah, families of people who who passed away. It's uh, it, it it's a pain that never goes goes away. Uh, and I, you know, it's it, it, it like you said. I spent a long time out with them, and I I don't get tired of of talking to them because I it, it, when I write about people in the street and when I uh, talk with them and hang with them, I can see there's there's a there's a, a, a there's always a light inside. There's always something. In, in there, someone wanting to get to normalcy. If they never had it, they want it in a, in a new way. If they used to have it, they want to get back to it. It's, uh, it's, it's, I think it's, it's a really important kind of journalism that we do. And I'm, I'm, I'm just glad as heck that the Chronicle's been supportive of this for so many years. It's, 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 it's unusual, I think, to have this much caring come out of an organization that makes makes you want to go back again and again and again. I want to give people a little glimpse of, of the latest reporting. Obviously, can read all the stories this week at sfchronicle.com. Um, Kevin, who currently are the homeless in the Bay Area? You mentioned the 35,000 number. Yeah, you got uh, uh, about 20 to 30 percent of them are chronically homeless people, which means they've been outside for 
more than a year and have substance abuse or mental health issues, disabilities of some kind, uh, you got a, a vast majority uh, uh, of, of your usual homeless people wind up episodically, uh, either bouncing into the streets, going into shelters, and then coming back out again. Uh, they lost their job. They got divorced. Someone threw them out. A uh, family member, things went wrong. Um, they're not out there forever. But uh, what we see is, is in, in growing populations is in the suburbs and amongst seniors. Uh, One of the more shocking things that I've uh, covered over the years is um, uh, in the the last few years, there's been uh, a a spike in the number of people over 50 who have hit the streets uh, for the first time. And that's a poverty issue. They, they, They age out of their jobs. They're swinging a shovel or punching a cash register. Their bodies give out. They can't do the job anymore. They're not old enough for Social Security. The families are also poor, can't take them in. They wind up on the streets. That is heartbreaking. And you're seeing in the suburbs a lot of people who are uh, too poor to afford a place to live. They're working, but their, uh, their, their paychecks aren't big enough to afford the incredibly high rent that we see in the Bay Area. So they're living in RVs. And there's been an explosion in vehicles recently. And that was happening before the pandemic. Um, one of the things that has prevented a huge tsunami of homeless people going into the streets is eviction prevention right now. Um, the the state and the counties and, and most cities have uh, instituted a moratorium on being able to evict someone. Well, whenever they get lifted, it's going to be an issue. But for now, people are able to stay inside. Meanwhile, they're accruing rent that they owe, uh, you know, back rent they owe. Uh, they're are efforts to try to uh, remedy that going forward. But it's a big question. What happens when the eviction moratoriums roll off and people are going to owe rent? Uh, and it usually takes a while once you get inv- evicted to wind up on the street. You go through family programs, you know, various things, and then you wind up on the street. But that's a, a delayed effect that could be really dramatic. Now, Kevin, I want to answer a question that I think People always ask, and I know you probably are asked this question once a day, but in terms of um, cities and counties' ability to force people off the streets, you know, hey, why don't you do more? Why don't you house these people? Um, It's a complicated question, um, but I know you're asked it a lot. Yeah, you should see the heat come out of people's ears and in uh, city and county governments when that comes up, (laughs) because you, it's it's virtually impossible to force someone into shelter or to force them into mental health treatment, force them into drug rehab. You can take them to jail, but uh, uh, a, an incredibly small percentage of people successfully rehab off drugs and drugs in jail. And when they get released, generally they go straight back to the street. Uh, we don't have laws here like New York does. In New York, generally uh, the cops can give you a choice. You go to jail or you go to shelter. What that has resulted in is uh, teeming, overrun, aged, dilapidated shelters out in the boroughs in New York. But if you're walking around in Manhattan, it looks a lot better than it used to. I don't think people, well, I know people aren't going to buy that here in the Bay Area and generally in, in California. Uh, those kinds of laws have always uh, failed when they've been proposed in any kind of form in this state. Finally, Kevin, I, I do want to ask you, 
as an expert, as someone who's followed this closely, where do you think we're going to be a year from now? I think there are two scenarios. One is we're going to have a crisis because uh, federal funding did not come through if it didn't. Uh, and uh, the economy will tank even further than we thought it would. People and could lose their houses. That's right. People lose their housing. People will lose their their medical insurance. I mean, there are uh, efforts to try to, uh, to take people off uh, medical insurance plans. Um, that could be a disaster the likes of which we have never seen. And some people are predicting that. On the other hand, things could be better. Uh, the governments could be able to uh, use federal funds and borrow do bond measures, do various uh, you know methods to get cash together, and buy up distressed properties, buy up ho- hotels and motels. I know the governor is is eager to buy up a bunch of motels and hotels across the state, turn them into housing. You could actually bring down homeless numbers and give people uh, uh, housing on a scale that we haven't seen in a long time. Now, how long that will last is is another question because things will drift back to normal over the coming years. But in the short term, this could actually result in some uh, some hope for a lot of homeless people. Or it could be a disaster. It's really an unanswered question. All right, Kevin. Well, thanks for joining us again. It's always great to talk to you. Right. It's lovely to talk with you again, too, Damien. The fifth annual SF Homeless Project is live now at sfchronicle.com slash homeless. It runs through Sunday. Thanks to Chronicle reporter Kevin Fagan for joining me. Don't forget, you can hear Kevin talking and singing about his career as a reporter on the podcast Total SF with Peter Hartlob. Manjula Varghese and Yolanda Yoshi-James collected sound for this episode, thanks to them, and also to King Kaufman for producing it, and thank you for listening.